Keto in your room, it's is when is when it goes like it goes like uh so it's doing its nose and noises go it goes like you know it's like the its sound fades into you know fades into silence and you're asking yourself you know why did it why did it go silent? What happened, you know? Did it find a strategic placement? You know, strategic posi- positioning uh, that it can rely on to suck my blood? Did it land on me? You know? It's like, and it's fucking pitch dark, and you're asking yourself, what the fuck went on? You know? This mosquito is plotting, you know? Did you guys know that uh, mosquitoes need your blood for their um give me a second here there we go they they need your blood for uh their eggs sort of uh they don't really need it for nutrition as much as they need it for you know key essential elements to have their eggs uh develop and hatch let me just verify that real quick. So, uh, on that note, hi everyone. This is uh, your host, Tweep Flab. Again, uh, you know, showing up after months since the last one. Um, so, the reason why only female... Yeah, uh, by the way, it's only female mosquitoes. Because the, the male mosquitoes are huge. I don't know if you've ever seen a male mosquito. Because they're less likely to be around humans because they don't have a reason you know to be around you um because they don't drink your blood so the female mosquitoes they drink your blood uh so that they can nourish their child bearing bodies blood is full of proteins and amino acids which makes it the perfect prenatal supplement for grown mosquito eggs which is why only female mosquitoes drink blood that's exactly what i said so yeah male mosquitoes so uh they're huge right what's the difference between male mosquitoes and female so yeah um i'm just showing up 
to talk about mosquitoes. No, but uh, seriously, I just I was just sitting here and I was thinking about that, and I was like, well, it's been ages since I haven't, you know, recorded a, an episode, and since it's reviewing life, the universe, and everything, then I might as well just, you know, talk about mosquitoes for a while and then maybe switch to something else. So, uh, for example, here I've got yeah. Uh, that's that's not that's the science behind it I honestly did not study insects so I wouldn't be able to uh, decipher this information but okay lifespan of lifespan of the mosquito so life cycle of mosquitoes is simple just like any other insect have you ever seen an insect that has a like an intricate lifestyle I haven't seen one because they're simple but by the way they do they do have they do have brains mosquitoes you know, so I was like having a discussion with a friend of mine uh, uh, once upon a time, and uh, we were talking about how I was talking about how because of the because mosquitoes, uh, I was like living in this uh, flat, you know, in this building, and near the building was a pseudo swamp. It was not a swamp per se. It was like a small piece of land that has been technically just left you know by whoever owns it or maybe it's not owned by anybody and you know it was uh the conditions were uh, perfect for a small sort of swamp to develop and so you got frogs and mosquitoes and shit it was behind the building not like in the street side of the building but like behind it and behind the building was like uh, a bus uh, symmetry, sort of, uh, sort of speak, like where they put all old, no longer uh, uh, operational buses, you know, state buses, uh, state-owned buses. The, we have yellow ones in here, yellow state-owned buses. There are private buses, and then there, there's this private-owned buses and the state-owned buses. As like I think there's a monopoly in terms of private owned, privately owned, but like private buses, private companies that you know operate in the bus industry. Because uh, I can only see one, uh, and I'm talking about like the regular buses, not touristic buses, but like the regular uh, everyday bus that takes you from a place to another, uh, pretty much anywhere around the capital, at least. Um, and also in other regions. Um, so yeah, those this bus symmetry, the, like this parts and, and corpses of buses and stuff like that. And what else? There's a street, but uh, it's distant, you know. So there's like the symmetry, and am I am I saying it right? Because uh, this is like, give me a second. Because uh, English is my third language, so sometimes I might fuck up some words. Uh, yeah, and so there's like this piece of land that is... Uh, Cemetery. Yeah, I said it right. I gotta see one in English. <laughs> um, and there's a piece of land that is like... Maybe... I would say around the 300 meters long and 200 meters wide i think and it's just completely completely void of any human 
interference or anything like that so it's just left there to rot and so I was having a discussion with my friend uh, about how I think because mosquitoes near the building in that and this in this sort of swamp they interfere a, a lot with humans like because they just have to move like for a fraction of what like the the distance the other female mosquitoes have to travel to find humans because they're right behind the building and other houses I think that because of that natural selection works faster with them because it's sort of a, it's almost like it's a training hub for them the building and the houses near the swamp and so because of that I was like natural selection what it does is that it makes these mosquitoes smart well mosquito smart in which way in a way that for example when you when you know when they sort of stay still when the lights are on they're seldom you know on the upper side of the wall you know which is very unusual because you know most of the mosquitoes that I usually spot in the room in the summer they're like in the upper side of the wall or even on the roof uh, these fucking mosquitoes they're like on you know feet level you know like uh, 20 30 centimeters high of the ground you know on that side of the wall and then even even in darkened areas and corners and shit and they do it consistently so I thought to myself maybe natural selection made these females pick better positions to hide you know I don't know if they're hiding like if that's a, if that's a mechanism if they actually do hide or it's just stay still you know whatever the program you know says they're doing it better than other mosquitoes my friend told me like they're fucking mosquitoes man there's no way that they could somehow you know become more efficient in terms of because they don't have brains and I was like they actually do have brains you know and so basically that sort of you know uh, code or part that is added to the code of how they function that is basically like when the mosquito that when the female mosquito that when I turn the lights on is like on the upper side of the wall eventually gets killed you know like I can spray the fucking thing straight to on her and like she dies immediately basically the ones that will be coming back are more likely to be the ones that hidden corners and lower parts of the wall and they're the ones that are gonna breed that's how natural selection works right and and then the next ones are gonna do exactly the same thing because that's the code that is embedded in their brains I was like they do fucking have brains and 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 they do they do and I'm just gonna because I verified their information straight up uh, mosquito brain so in terms of right do mosquitoes have brain have brains answer although they are quite small mosquitoes do have brains the organ is simple compared to a human brain of course but it is enough to help mosquitoes see move taste and detect scent or heat so it's basically like I said it's code right it's like basically so <laughs> this 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 one says mosquitoes are not especially clever 
like other species of flies their species of flies nice uh, and actually most insects mosquitoes are adapted for survival they can detect warmth carbon dioxide and sweet smells all of these adaptations for survival and none of them requires cleverness or intelligence exactly uh, so maybe intelligence is something that strictly has to do with uh, the neocortex you know maybe because i really don't know we're just talking here so yeah this is questions that i'm probably i'm sure that somebody you know who would be listening to this will probably have the answer and will be enraged about how i'm just like speculating but anyway so because the neocortex is uh, uh responsible uh for our thoughts in a way future projection i think projection into the future I think is uh, one big plus, uh, but also uh, uh, language, right? Um, so, uh, for example, you got sperm whales. I was watching this video about swarm uh, sperm whales on YouTube, and it's uh, quite an interesting video. Just put, I think. Sp- sperm whales language or sperm whales neocortex you know in the search bar and i think you will see the video is somebody explaining how basically because these sperm whales are mammals that have bigger neocortex a bigger neocortex you know in their brain they're capable of creating language that is more complicated than human language with those uh, you know uh sounds sort of like and, and th- those sounds are actually super fucking loud, you know, um, and they can hear them from miles away. So imagine a language that is super, super complex and uh, can be transmitted through miles away. That's that's almost like it, if a human is able of doing that, uh, except for the loud part, it'd be awesome, man. I think the loud part is necessary. But then the problem would be that our ears would have to be adapted to something that loud uh, in order to, you know, be able to, uh, you know, just not have our drums explode whenever somebody speaks. But that's that almost sounds like a superpower, you know. I, I can just, you know, get in contact with someone that is a thousand kilometers away. Or, uh, no, nah, that's too much. That's a, that's a stretch. Let's see, let's compare how let's let's put how fucking noises how far by the way i think i'm trying to adapt my speaking setup to the nature of the mic that i have so that i don't create uh like a sort of bad quality of sound so i'm trying my best here so i'm keeping a bit of distance and the angle or some also matters so how far does whale song travel yeah that could work so here it says oh my fucking god 10,000 miles now for the kilometer fellas here that would be 10,000 miles in kilometers yeah that would be 16k kilometers so it was not a far far stretch when I said a thousand kilometers we're talking about 16k kilometers you know, in the case of my country, that's almost 10% of the country, of the country's, like, no, I'm, I'm, no, no, that's, that's the area, that's not the, the area of the country, yeah, uh, 
and cubic meters yeah but anyway 16k is, is, is too in it's too much you know like i reckon like for example i think i need to travel for about 60 kilometers to not the nearest state but the nearest big state you know so i can legitimately if i was a whale <laughs> First of all, if we were whales, uh, I mean, if we had the same language setup as whales, I think a human sort of distribution on land would be different because there would be absolutely zero sense in us all being close, this close to each other if our language can travel this far. So I think we'd be like sort of like mutes or tribes uh, and like each each tribe would have a huge... Uh, a huge sort of diameter, you know, a huge sphere just, you know, for it, its own, you know, like social sphere, you know, and when somebody gets into your sphere, you'd notice. And so, for example, you'd be in New York and somebody gets into the Washington area and you'd notice it. Washington, I mean, somebody would get into the fucking Texas area and you'd know, well, I, Texas to New York distance, let's see. We're trying to do projections here because truly this episode is just going to be about talking about some random shit, but maybe, you know, learning in the process and I'm just having fun. Uh, by the way, I'm thinking about bringing in guests. So Texas to New York, 1,777 miles. Yeah. So when somebody gets into the Texas area, you'll notice, you know, so you'll have that area for yourself. How many whales are there? Let's see. Sperm whales population. You know, because we're 7 billion. So it'd be, it'll be hard, you know, to distribute ourselves on land in a, in a way that is, uh, you know, that could help with this language thing. So there are about 300 to 450k sperm whales. Oh, here's a, here's a, good, here's a good statistic. Uh, this is from Wikipedia. Uh, global sperm whale was that catch? Oh, oh, it's a, it's a bad statistic then, because uh, like it it basically did like something that looks like a fad. So it, it, oh, it's too small, it's too small. But basically, you know the whaling, uh, the whaling uh, period of time that we had in our history in our, in our human history when we're when we're you know catching whales for their oils stuff like that. So basically, around that area, it went to a, to an all times high. Uh, but uh, inter- interestingly enough, let me see this. Maybe yeah. So was that in the 1820s? There was 1820s, 1830s, 1840s. There was a bell-shaped uh, curve that reached up to 50k, and then around the 1960s, it reached up to 250k. And then by 1980, by the 1980s, it was back, you know, below, way below the 50k. So that's a good thing because there's only 300 to 450 thousand of them left. So, uh, you know, if we actually kept on fishing uh, on whaling, like with the same rate, they would have been, they would have, they would have gone extinct by now. So that's a good thing that they didn't. Because they're majestic creatures, man. I mean, look at them. Like, I, 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 maybe a lot of people also had the same experience uh, that I had. I developed an immense love for, 
sperm whales uh, after watching Moby Dick, the movie. Because uh, if you read the book, I mean, I'm pretty sure it sounds... Because uh, I've read the book when I was a kid, and it, it's a great experience, right? Uh, it's one of the greatest books I've ever read in terms of fiction. Uh, the problem is... It's not a problem because it's it's based on preference. So you'll be you'll you'll have to you'll have to sort of imagine Moby Dick, the white sperm whale that is gigantic, right? As a, like if compared to other uh, to other sperm whales. Okay, so I'm gonna try to fixate this because I think that I move quite a lot. So. It'll be it'll be annoying in terms of uh, the voice will go will be like the 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 volume will be uh, alternating and that's not cool. So all right, I'll cut now and then just fix the setup a little bit and uh, continue. So anyway, Moby Dick. Um, with the movie, you get to see the white sperm whale, and it's fucking majestic. Like I said, like it—it's just just the contrast in size, you know. Like uh, comparing the the, the 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 whalers and and Moby Dick, and like you, you got all sorts of fucking amazing wallpapers that were generated out of, out of the idea of Moby Dick. I'm just I'm looking at one right now. This is Sources Literary Hub. Uh, it's quite big. So it shows Ahab, I think, and he's just facing Moby Dick. But all you see of Moby Dick is his eye and part of. But the way they did Moby Dick in here, it looks more like a blue whale. Five reasons why Moby Dick just won't die. I mean, I'm pretty sure that would be an amazing article to read. But anyway, uh, when I watched the movie, I fucking fell in love with sperm whales because Moby Dick looked fucking monstrous. Like, it's the closest thing we can get to a leviathan. Like, even though sperm whales are not as big as, for example, blue whales. Um, like, blue whales are... Well, sperm whales, I think, 
sperm waves are grow up to 17 meters i think uh, and blue whales can reach 32 meters i think uh, ancient monster ancient what is this ancient monster whale more fearsome than mobile oh fuck off come on man ancient new scientist right all right let's check this i i doubt it but okay so uh, let's see in terms of size based on the lore how big would moby dick be uh, keep in mind uh, a normal sperm whale exactly so the animal's exact dimensions are never given but the novel claims that the largest sperm whales can reach a length of 90 feet larger larger than any officially recorded sperm whale and that moby dick is probably the largest the largest sperm whale that ever lived so based on the story's lore uh, sperm whales can reach up to 90 feet and I'm gonna convert that straight away for my meters gang uh, so 90 feet in meters how would that how much would that be 30 uh, 27 27 meters um, so according to the novel but not to reality um, sperm whales can reach 27 meters and Moby Dick is supposed to be the largest of them. So, starting from 27. Uh, by the way, uh, the name of sperm whales in France... So, they reach up to 16 uh, meters in real life. Uh, their name in French is absolutely terrifying. So, in French, their name is Cachalot. And I think... Uh, when I read Moby Dick, I read it in French. So, it said, uh, like, uh, uh, un cachalot blanc. Gigantesque, uh, which means a gigantic white sperm whale, and just there's something about that word cachalot that is uh, absolutely terrifying. Maybe it is in the context of Moby Dick. Maybe that's why I thought of it as a terrifying word. Uh, yeah, uh, blue whales can reach, I think, up to. 32 meters female 25 male 24 okay that's that's fucking that's disappointing honestly man um yeah but still if you compare it to a sperm whale it looks bigger like clearly bigger okay so this one this this picture here shows a different dimension but i think I think Google has the latest sort of more accurate measures. So here it says 31 meters for the from for the blue whale and 18.5 meters for the sperm whale. But I think those measures have been adjusted because I've read once in a sort of you know my mini encyclopedia book like blue whales can reach up to 32. Maybe that's an anomaly. Maybe they actually saw a blue whale that was 32 meters long, but uh like on average they don't reach that uh size and maybe what we're seeing here uh in google is the average size um right so back to language um it's absolutely magnificent how uh we think low of these things but i mean not as in a condescending manner but we just have the idea that we humans are way more intelligent but uh i think you know what i think that there's a lot to the animal world you know um 
Now, here's another whale I've seen here that is uh, supposed to be called Leviathan Milville. Uh, is that an whale? Let's see. Is it actually Leviathan? Uh, oh, oh, it's uh, it's an extinct sperm whale. Nice. And how big? How big does? It, how big did they get? All right. Let's hope for. I mean, it can't get bigger than uh, than a blue whale, because otherwise we would know. But let's just hope for something in the twenties. Uh, estimated size. Lower estimate, upper estimate. So for for the upper estimate, it's seventeen. The lower estimate's thirteen. So how the fuck is it? sort of more terrifying than Moby Dick. Moby Dick is supposed to be 27 or bigger. This is about 17 meters. It's still monstrous, by the way, and it's sort of... Uh, I think the thing about them is that their mouth is sort of like fitted for... for things... Yeah. Okay, yeah, so exactly. Their mouth is fitted for maybe bigger things than than what the sperm whales eat now. But you, you gotta, you know, still put into consideration that current sperm whales, they eat giant uh, calamar. Uh, calamar is in French. Uh, it's basically... Uh, It's, uh, it's, uh, oh, come on, man. Calamari squid. I can't believe I forgot the word squid. Anyway, so yeah, they eat giant fucking squids, and giant squids, they can get so big, like, I think 12 meters? Is that too much to ask for? I fucking love gigantic sea creatures, man. I think it's, it's sort of otherworldly. It's the closest thing we get to mythical creatures maybe it's i mean there's probably mythical creatures based on these things like when you see something and imagine you're in the middle of nowhere in the ocean and out of fucking nowhere uh this gigantic tentacle comes out of the water or this just gigantic uh thing altogether jumps out of the water and it's a bit far so you cannot sort of just like see uh, eyes or 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 or, or, or like a distinct shape you know all you see is just a gigantic thing you know just a big piece of fucking meat that jumps out of the water and then goes back with it with the majestic splash I don't think the first thing you'll think of is, uh, this is a sperm whale, uh, it's 16 meters long, and uh, no. You'll be thinking to yourself, a fucking giant sea serpent, that's what you'll think. I mean, if I was in a lake in Ireland, and uh, I saw, I saw a giant sort of tail come out of the water, I'll be like, that's a, that's a fucking serpent. That, that right there is a sea serpent, and it's, and it's angry, because we've been, we've been sinning, and shit like that, uh, we need to be closer to God from now on. That's the Loch Ness. You know, anyway, gigantic uh, size for the giant squid. We're talking about 18 meters. That's that's more than I expect them to be. So giant squids and, and, and sperm whales, they're 
technically the same size. Uh, I don't know where I watched this, like the fight of sperm whales, sperm whales and, and, and squids. I think like they, what I know is that sperm whales, they wouldn't usually hunt the elder squids. They would hunt the smaller ones, right? Because that's easy. Um, but, and, 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 and giant squids, um, the, 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 I guess the mother would be an actual menace to a whale because an 18 meters thing that has tentacles that suck the life out of you. I think if they, if it, if it can wrap them around you, I mean, just imagine a squid the size of a human, uh, who would beat the other? I know it's not a, a good analogy because also sperm whales have massive muscle structure and they cannot be compared to humans and they're like sea creatures so they fare better in water as opposed to humans uh, but still uh, just imagine the the, the 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 amount of pressure that will that you will be fallen under from a creature that is roughly your size right it would be pulling you as if it was a, a, a something that is way bigger than you. That's the feeling you'll get. You'll, you get a feeling that this is something that is that overpowers me a lot, right? Even though it's the same size as me, and technically sort of have le has less meat all around than me because uh, basically like what more than half of them is tentacles, right? Um, sperm whales dive to great depths to more than two kilometers deep. Uh, that is 1.4 miles to catch one of their favorite foods giant squids after whales evolved and discovered that squids are tasty that's natural sele natural selection the giant squids might have started living in deeper water to escape the whale predators and so they went on on a race to the bottom you know who can get deeper down um up it's more of it's more like the squids are getting deeper down and the whales every time are like you know doubling down uh, now, here's the question. Giant squids, do they hunt? Exactly, giant squid hunting whale. Is that a thing? Sperm whale versus... Oh, there was this great show. On, so do giant squid eat whales? Human knowledge of the colossal squid is based on very few specimens that have been captured in deep, deep sea fisheries. And on breaks that have been found in the stomachs of the species most significant predator the fucking sperm whale I knew it because I watched this documentary once and I saw a squid hunting down a sperm whale or something like that it actually happened my god man how big can these things get why is it called colossal by the way that's a great fucking name 14 meters, but I just saw that they can reach 18 meters like the giant squid in general Yeah, but bro imagine man. imagine like oh my god. This picture is Terrifying so it, it puts a colossal squid Okay, so the viral version the viral version is the one that That is used uh, for sci-fi movies <laughs> The viral version looks like Cthulhu, man. Based on Arson's rotation of this newspaper. Okay, the accurate version is less scary. 
because if you think about it, the tentacles are the long part of the body. And yeah, it gets to 14 meters, but it doesn't look like it, right? Because it's not just one gigantic mass that is 14 meters, like for example, a whale. It's more like there's the body sort of part of the squid that is the size of a human, and then the rest is tentacles. Yeah, sort of like that. Sort of like that, but that's a deviant, that's still a deviant art image. I can't find, like, I can't find one image okay here's one here's uh, an image of five people pulling a colossal squid true size revealed but that is still fucking scary man imagine you need five people to hold this giant mass of muscle you know not only muscle but it sucks fucking life out of you right What's the difference? The giant squid may be longer, but the colossal squid is heavier. So okay, so giant squid and colossal squid, the difference is the colossal have this sort of like thing, but like it, it doesn't look like a pencil. It's more uh, it's more like it has a a heart-shaped sort of head. It's like a crown, you know, and then there's the rest of it. So the colossal squid is heavier, but the giant squid, squid is, is longer. So the fin, the main difference is the fin. The mantle looks sort of the same, uh, even though colossal's mantle is larger. Uh, tentacles, uh, giant squid wins. Arms, giant squid wins. Head, colossal wins. Mantle and fin, colossal wins. So basically, the 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 the. The head part, the upper part of the colossal is, uh, is is bigger, way bigger, right? Fucking these are these are true monsters of the depth, man. Like you wouldn't want to be in the bottom of the ocean, you know, and just like that, you know, swimming around. Not that you can, but the pressure and everything you get is like there's a lot of a lot of uh, considerations that go into this, but basically I'm just saying, but there, there, there are also these uh, tug of waters. Now these things are uh, absolutely beautiful. They're this sort of, a lot of organisms, living organisms, that come together in a symbiotic relationship. They all form one body, and each one of them takes care of a specific part. And the result is something that has tentacles that I, I think reach up to 30 meters long, I think. And they're basically what you can compare them to in terms of what they can do to you is medusas. Because uh, they use that sort of, uh, you know, electrify the prey or whatever. And then they absorb it and the tentacles do the, I think, absorption of uh, nutrients and stuff like that. They're absolutely terrifying, man. And like, like because of like basically they just keep on like you know accumulating until 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 they reach this big size. But I think there's there's a there's a limit to how big they can get because I don't think that the tug of war would get any bigger if if it already has sort of everything. Like I don't know the basis of why. I mean, sort of how they 
these organisms get together and when do they stop? Manowar, sorry, I said with Tagalog, it's Manowar. Um, but I don't know basically what the limit is based on. Manowar. Portuguese Manowar is uh, the famous one. But I think that when you get deeper down, there are organisms that look like this and are bigger. There's this YouTube, um, there's this YouTube channel uh, that shows footage of uh, of uh, animals from the bottom of the ocean, and it's just basically it's almost as if you're looking at a sci-fi movie about an alien planet that is you know like that only has water species it's absolutely terrifying man and the footage is like not like super clear because it's it's footage taken by whatever whatever stuff can be used in the depths of ocean but it's still good man it's otherworldly honestly man i forgot that i mean i um, i am subscribed to it but i don't know i forgot i forgot is it Deep Sea Odyssey? Or Deep Sea Dives or something like that. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm... I'm really determined to find... There we go. Yeah, Deep Sea Oddities. All together. You know, uh, all in one word. Uh, just a second. Okay, so it's Deep Sea Oddities. D-E-E-P-S-E-A-O-D-D-I-T-I-E-S. Deep sea oddities with no spaces, and uh, it fucking shows creatures that look like uh, alien shit, and because they live in a, in a an environment that is drastically different from the environment in which we live, right? Or they're like like their friends from you know the upper side of the ocean live in you know much less oxygen is one big uh, element uh, one big factor in why they look so different uh, I think they live long too because um, their life cycle is super slow uh, it's basically slow-motion life uh, I can check why deep sea species live longer uh, it has to do with the oxygen it has living down in the deep pro uh, protects corals sponges and other creatures from temperature change uh, and harsh storms that can and often do kill animals that live in shallower waters and so they're there they've evolved to have longer lifespans because they're in less danger of being killed by a chance event the sea animals that can live thousands of fucking years, according to Indiana Public Media. I'm definitely checking this. Imagine living for thousands of years. I mean, again, it's because uh, it's a, it's a, it's a slower life. Because if you take into consideration, for, exa for example, turtles. Turtles live longer than us. But if you look at their lifestyle and their life cycle, it's super slow. Like, it's super, super, super slow. Like... If you have a, if you ever had an experience with turtles, I've had a turtle when I was a kid. I have uh, she died, she got sick, and then 
and then and then basically started sort of dying I, I, I don't remember exactly why she died but it was very tragic it was a very tragic death because when I got back home what I found because she was in our garden right what I found is her corpse being swarmed by fucking ants man like she couldn't die like calmly uh, on that bummer <laughs> so corals for example they live too long uh, some giant turtles can live a long time like up to 200 years but that's nothing compared to some creatures that live in the deep ocean for example Mediterranean red coral can live up to 500 years but again they live that long because you know death is sort of a process of the organism dying so basically you sort of have your cells decomposing they cannot you know just keep sustaining life for any longer and that is because when you get more complexity in the organism you sort of that's a trade-off with more life because the the simpler the organism gets the easier it gets to sustain it in a way and uh and the slower it gets to and uh in certain cases but not all the more the more vulnerable it gets like i'm sure there are very simple life forms on 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 land but they often are very vulnerable and for that reason their average lifespan would be would be example way lower than how long they can actually live uh, just us humans we're complex life forms right uh, our lifespans are seldom how much we can actually biologically live uh, and that's because you got viruses you got bacteria the harmful kind you got uh, pollution in the air you got um, heart uh, no, that's 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 biological heart attacks I think are biological but the thing with brain damage or heart attacks is that they're sort of accelerated by our external environment what I'm trying to say is that humans if the external environment was like um, like had ideal conditions for us was somehow optimized we would live longer than our average lifespans it's just uh, we would that's 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 a that's a wrong way of framing it because it's average lifespan which means that people by definition live longer than that what i'm saying is the average lifespan itself would be longer and we've had people live for 130 years right like it's it's possible to sustain a human organism for that long but it it really does require very specific conditions. So, for example, I'm gonna look for. Okay, so, uh, ah, yeah, worms. How long worms can live? Worms lifespan. Worms lifespan. Uh, so, at birth, earthworm, earthworms emerge small but fully formed. Lacking only their sex structures, which develop in about 60 to 90 days, they attain full size in about one year. Scientists predict that the average lifespan under field conditions is four to eight years, while most garden varieties live only one to two years. Uh, but how long can how long can worms live? 
how long can you keep like uh, battery it's going to be uh, can you live on uh, like a bit of a typical worm uh, still just give me a second because I actually found I found this thing I found this article about worms they've extracted from a uh, from ice in Russia and apparently they've been fossilized in ice well not fossilized but they've been frozen in ice for about let me just look up the article um, uh, so this is just like the Joe Rogan podcast if it was done with local resources and not professional amateur resources and if I was both Jamie and Joe and uh, if there was no guest uh, if there were no guests, so basically, you know, it's technically the same thing, you know, with some constraints. Uh, worms extracted from ice, Russia. I need to fix extracted because it's a keyword. Um, here we go. I remember it was in Russia. A group of Russian scientists have successfully revived two species of tiny worms that they discovered suspended in an icy chunk of Siberian permafrost. Uh, permafrost sorry. The worms, known as nematodes, or more commonly as round worms, had been frozen for up to 42,000 years, since the time when much of the planet was covered in ice. Nematode. Now, how long can nematodes live? probably get a different answer uh, imagine man recovering a pre a prehistoric fucking war man and uh, beneficial nematodes have a two month shelf life if refrigerated however they can live in the soil at levels high enough to control pest insects for around 18 months so we've basically revived nematodes that have been that have been uh, frozen for 42,000 years and these things can live for like a fucking year and a half can you believe that it means that basically what we did to these what happened to these nematodes in Siberia is that their entire life cycle got frozen it's just basically they went their their um, bodies had to be under uh, temperature that froze absolutely every single function uh, in them as a living organism, which meant which meant that it, it's it's almost as if like that movie Split. It's almost as if you just you know clicked on pause uh, on somebody's life and just kept it like that for forty two thousand years. It doesn't matter how how long they can live because we froze that process. We stopped it. And it was restarted uh, by the Russian um, scientists. But imagine just like if we didn't actually do that, maybe they would have, they would have instead gone discovered by an alien life form, and uh, and then they would have been granted sort of. I'm just okay. So it's basically just fantasizing here. They would have been granted higher level of consciousness and immortality. But because of, and that would have happened around a billion years in the future. I don't think that Earth would be the same. It just takes basically a cycle of volcanic shit for that for that for that whole planet to just, you know, 
fail. But let's say, let's say, let's say somehow that's a possibility in the future and um, those scientists just deprive those worms from actual life and immortality. Is it actual life? Because I don't believe that life without being as conscious as humans or at least dolphins or whales or, or, or ravens is, is, is can be considered what we perceive as life. Like when you see a species that is sort of uh, very close or has a certain basic understanding of self that's I think where life as we quote, as we as we describe it as humans as we perceive it but not totally as we perceive it as humans starts it's when you can see uh, and perceive a self you know when you're just an organism that uh, intercepts information from the external environment and acts upon it based on uh, instinct it's almost as if you're a machine you know that's sort of what a computer AI does you know like it intercepts information and based on it it acts you know and if you think about it that's sort of how insects behave like insects are literally just dumb AI that's what they are well no I wouldn't say dumb because they do very very they have a very complex uh, uh, well, some of them have very complex system of society, but it's just based on what each and every one of them does, based on natural selection. It means that there there have been multiple, multiple iterations of uh, of insect societies until there was a point where it actually reached sustainability, which meant that those sort of models of societies that were generated by just random iterations were sustainable enough for those specimens to survive for another generation and then to create offsprings that would ex reproduce the exact same system of society uh, all the roles and hierarchy and all of that in a way that that's how you got an ant colony and it's not based on smart iteration as much as it is based on just random iteration until it reached sustainability and so for example if we take wasps into account now this will take us back to mosquitoes uh, if you take wasps, for instance, uh, while preparing for uh, this one one academic exam, uh, the part of it was just like reading text super fast and then answering some questions. Uh, one text I've read was about how, you know, those, you know, those wasps that uh, just take a roach and fucking poison it and render it like a zombie. Like, they put poison in its fucking brain, and then they put poison in its body. And the poison they put in its brain is to basically stabilize it. It doesn't move anymore, even though it's fucking alive. And they need it to be alive because they're gonna lay their eggs in it. And they don't, it's like, they want, it's not that they want, but the egg has to be put in fresh meat, you know? Not a corpse. Plus, a corpse will attract other predators. You know by the smell so what it does it, it it poisons it it injects poison in its brain to sort of keep it still while alive and then it injects poison in its body to paralyze it completely and then it uh, it it it, it uh, put like sort of um, pierces through uh, it, it just chooses a corner based on you know how it's programmed uh, somewhere in the in the dirt and uh, pierces a hole in that corner 
that is relatively safe and, and then it, it, it takes the, the roach uh, well, uh, it either puts the egg in the roach first and then puts the roach in the hole and then covers it or it takes the, the roach into the hole and then puts the egg in it once the whole thing is done and then cover it anyway I forgot the exact steps uh, the, the exact order of steps but that's more or less how it is and I've read that if you for example uh, like in the process uh, take uh, so it picks the just uh, fetch this is something absolutely uh, uh, so there's like this is absolutely fascinating so for example like so yeah so it takes it takes it takes the uh, the, the roach from its head right uh, uh, specifically I think the antenna um, and if you for example cut the antenna of the roach the wasp will simply abandon the whole process if you for example take the roach and uh, switch its position making uh, making the antenna face the other way around it would turn the antenna and then go back to digging the uh, it would turn the roach to the position it needs to be in and then go back to digging the hole instead of just taking the roach from its back it's absolutely crazy like it's basically it's still the, the exact same thing as the same roach that has been like paralyzed and everything but uh, part of the process is taking the roach by its antenna. So if it cannot take the roach by its, by the roach by its antenna, it has to repeat the iteration where the roach is sort of in that position, and then it starts over. That's fucking crazy. You would say that's dumb, but that's that's the code. That's just the code, man. Because it doesn't think. It doesn't say. It doesn't say. Oh, uh, it's still the same thing. It's just a different position. Because that's that's what a sort of smart species would do. Uh, instead, it's just it just notices that the image is not as it should be and acts upon it and so insects are pretty much like their their code you know uh, rather than you know something like human and in, in a way this is the idea that we ourselves might be code in a sense that yes we do have a neocortex yes we do have complex language uh, thought process uh, we can do multiple iterations uh, uh, when we're projecting into the future, forecasting, looking back at the past, having this sort of perception of self, of time, of, uh, of, of other things, of the abstract, which is, I think, the most important part of it, is being able to see the abstract, as in dealing with, uh, dealing with uh, not only future projections, but projections into this sort of um, uh, template, uh, that is completely intangible. There is nothing tangible about it. It's just ideas, you know. That's how developed it sort of is. Um, and so basically, I've, I've talked a lot about the neocortex. So basically, the other two types of brains are the lizard sort of brain, which is responsible for everything that is survival related, and then there's the mammal brain, which is responsible of affiliation, belonging, a perception of family. Uh, structure in society and so on so basically it's 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 responsible of having different levels of perceiving others uh, you know instead of just the others as part of the external environment now it becomes like this category 
this category of others and then this other category of others there's the stranger and the family and so on um and of course the neocortex which is responsible of uh so basically okay so just real fast the neocortex or the neopallium isocortex is a, or the six layered cortex is a set of layers of the mammalian cerebral cortex involved in higher order brain functions such as sensory perception cognition generation of motor commands spatial reasoning and language the neocortex is further subdivided into the true isocortex and the pro isocortex uh, right so the, 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 it, it's these functions that eventually with having with the fact that we do have a thumb created the supreme human um, overlord of earth you know because you can sort of do these things where you can reason you can project into the future have the sort of way of seeing things and with that you can create things like shape things edit things uh, in a way that fits into your way of seeing how things will be or should be based on your ability to create actual plans and that's how tools sort of emerged uh, sort of like it because I'm I honestly this is not my field of study but this is just you know information that I've got you know from different places so Going back to mosquitoes, um, the question that I'm asking is, uh, is it possible that these things, because of, you know, because they live in a swamp near many houses, like super close, they have a factor of propinquity that might not exist in other mosquito species, uh, mosquito societies, and so this specific mosquito society had its natural selection process sped up by the fact that humans are so fucking close. Um, and so in that sense, they've developed better positioning way faster than other mosquitoes. Uh, my thoughts are that, yes, these things do have brains, uh, and that's, I think, enough for some sort of model of being to be transferred like model of this mosquito model a1 that positions itself in lower parts of the wall and in dark corners that uh, got back untouched and then a couple others that did the, the exact same thing out of just pure randomness and they got back living uh, and uh, because of that they had their eggs hatch and you got new female mosquitoes who will reproduce the exact same things because they're descendant of those mosquitoes is that too far-fetched or is it actually a possibility i don't know i will i think look further into the issue i mean it's been a question in my mind for a, a year or so and i've just never really you know, thought of maybe finding an answer. So, can mosquitoes learn? Or do mosquitoes learn? That's a better question. The work appearing this week in Current Biology 
marks the first time anyone has shown that mosquitoes are capable of learning and remembering. Mosquitoes evade retaliation from their victims by lifting off gently after a meal. That just confirms it, man. That's absolutely crazy. This is National Geographic, by the way. It's sort of reliable, right? Uh, right, so, okay. So we'll finish off with this article, right? How long has it been? I don't know, uh, but we'll finish off with this. First ever evidence that mosquitoes can be trained. Uh, courtesy to Michelle Z. Donahue uh, on nationalgeographic.com. Uh, so, the next time you spot a mosquito alighting on your arm for a sip, definitely take aim. Even if you miss, there's a good chance the pest won't target you next time. See? It turns out that by slapping at a mosquito about to bite, the insect learns to associate the near-death encounter with your personal scent and avoid you in the future. That's sort of what I'm talking about, but in a different light. The work appearing this week in Current Biology marks the first time anyone has shown that mosquitoes are co capable of learning and remembering. Uh, they're essentially Pavlov's mosquitoes, says University of Washington neuro neuro neuroecologist uh, Jeff Riffle, referring to the famous experiment that conditioned dogs to salivate on cue, uh, dogs to salivate on cue. like those canines of science lore, Riffle used classical conditioning to test whether his insect subjects could learn to associate a negative stimulus with a scent. Mosquitoes are drawn to certain odors wafted by tasty targets, including humans, while bathed in a highly attractive human scent. Uh, some Latin name for a mosquito species were exposed to a 20 minute session of little bite disturbing vibrations, similar to uh, similar in intensity to the reverberations that travel up an arm after a slap. Rafael's team found that these mosquitoes that uh, then avoided that scent for more than 24 hours afterward, an effect as powerful as an application of over the counter repellent sprays made with DEET. Because learned associations are linked to the brain chemical dopamine, Rafael and his team tested the effect again, but this time on mosquitoes whose dopamine channels have been disabled. Sure enough, that group of insects wasn't able to learn that a particular scent meant danger, and they dived right back in. That learning abilities makes them incredibly flexible, Rafael says. Uh, says it means that they can learn associations about who is more defensive and who isn't and if we can prevent that They'll never learn and can be swatted away way more effectively Damn son, so what's that fighting the bite and okay, so yeah, we'll, we'll finish it. So um, Iris Egypti this Latin name so I say Egypt in there So maybe it's a Middle Eastern Egyptian mosquito that they tested this on is the mosquito species known for carrying yellow fever and is a vector uh, for several other serious human maladies, including dengue fever, chikungunya, and the Zika virus. Yeah, it's Middle Eastern. The dopamine uh, learning discovery opens new avenues of research for developing insecticides or repellents. Uh, memories are an important thing, and that's why I talk about brain. And it was completely out of the picture in mosquito research, says Walter Leal, a, a chemical ecologist at the University of Cali. Uh, Davis, who also studies human-mosquito interactions. That's interesting. Now that we know that some compounds trigger this memory avoidance, one could possibly use a formulation that not only includes an active repellent like DEET, but also includes some compound that would trigger the memory of avoidance, Leal says. 
uh, we've been using all these single compound repellents like DEET for more than 60 years now and we need to move on. Uh, right, but the mosquito species in question may only be able to learn associations with chemicals related to the main host species. The mosquitoes that transmit uh, West Nile, for example, uh, for instance, feed primarily on birds, but will switch to humans when their preferred meal is unavailable. So far, Rafael says that they haven't shown any ability to learn to avoid humans in the same way that uh, the other species does. That we were talking about. It's the fucking Latin name, man. Right, I can't pronounce it right because I don't know how to spell Latin words in Latin language because it's different from English or French or Italian. We can't get them to learn, so something's going on there, Rafael notes. That's not so surprising, says Leo. Just like people, there are many things you can smell and many you just ignore. Mosquitoes also don't have receptors for everything. Right, just the shit that is related to their survival. Uh, natural selection. Scientists will need to keep investigating the role of learning and smelling mosquito behavior before developing any new repellents. In the meantime, Rafael advises everyone to simply keep on moving. If you're at a field barbecue and you're sweating mosquitoes, they learn you, dance, be active, the mosquitoes will go to someone else. Uh, okay, so what you get from this is if you're at a field barbecue and you're sweating mosquitoes, they'll learn you, dance, be active. The mosquitoes will go to someone else. So just be dangerous to mosquitoes and that will be enough for them not to go back. If we're talking about mosquitoes that are like this species. Uh, so I think that sort of makes my thought that mosquitoes in the swamp learned where to position themselves. As in, just like the associated descent to humans that are aggressive or almost kill them, near-death experience, they can associate the scent with the positioning. Is that far-fetched? Like, okay, so there's my scent, and there's being high up the... So basically what I'm saying is... Because the, the thing is, like we just... Like we just read about neocortex, about the neocortex, is that uh, the neocortex is responsible for spatial reasoning and sensory perception, right? And these are the like factors included in like the information you can collect about a certain location. So the mosquito that is on the upper side of the wall, uh, first of all, do mosquitoes have a neocortex? Uh, I think they don't. I think they don't. I'm just saying that right now because I don't want to sound silly by asking that question. Um, no, nervous system, no, not that. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, it's not even, the question is not even being asked. Do insects have consciousness in either? Uh, our big neocortex has something to like. Do insects have con? They don't, it's, uh, holds that the core is not our impressive neocortex, but uh, our much more primitive midbrain. Now, that's something. Uh, I didn't know that. Uh, Smithsonian man. Uh, prior research has shown that the smell of CO2 can... Mm -hmm. Neurons. So, they do... S Wait. Non-avian reptiles also have a cerebral cortex. Right. List of animals by number of neurons. Will animals... Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> the difference between what the article says has been discovered and what I think... 
is perhaps possible is that mosquitoes learn by associating the smell to danger according to the article and not all of them and that's related to dopamine what about a certain position as in yeah that will associate my smell to danger near death experience but how can they associate a certain position to danger to near death experience without spatial reasoning now we're just asking questions because it's this is this has no scientific basis what we're saying because it's just speculation right uh, so I we can only go to too far right we, we just we just cannot solve the issue but since we said we're gonna close on that here's a suggestion so I've I've shared the email of the podcast in the last uh, episode that was two light years uh, ago and uh, so the, the, again the the email is reviewing L U E as in life, the universe and everything at gmail.com. That is R E V E, I'm sorry, R E V I E W I N G L U E at gmail.com. So, what I suggest is if you're listening to this and you're enraged by my lack of knowledge about the issue, what you can do is just straight up send me an email and say listen fella it's this and this and that and just share your opinion if you have a more you know informed opinion about the issue and i would gladly share it if you would law if you you would like to to see that being shared here in the next episode in 2077 (laughs) and on that note I think this was a unique episode because I literally just decided that we're going to talk about this five minutes before I started recording. And the reason is I just wanted to stop procrastinating on the issue and just and just record an episode and, you know, edit it and, you know, just post it. Because um, I've been doing a lot of shit. Don't don't think that. I'm procrastinating in general. I've been I've been doing a lot of shit, and it's like a transitional period where I had some a couple of jobs, and I'm applying for a couple of academic programs, and so I'm sort of deciding uh, what next step to take in life. But at the same time, already taking something to take care of, and taking a sort of task to do, a job to do. Do not just be like deciding without doing something already, whether temporary or maybe something that lasts for a year or a couple. Uh, basically, the idea is I need to undertake something and then I'll, you know, continue looking. And that's exactly what I did. And so I'm more stable now than I used to be. That's a good thing. Uh, and I can actually go back to doing. To learning how to do these things in the field of just production, creation of creative content, entertainment and all of that until I sort of reach a level well where I can, you know, get this stuff to be super good. Uh, still not monetized as I'm doing it for, for the fun of it and for interaction. I'm really thankful to absolutely everyone who actually took time and listened to this. Um, 
because um after all like i said i'm i'm doing it so that people sort of see it uh enjoy it uh if you don't enjoy it just you know it's all right thank you for listening send feedback all of that stuff i i i appreciate that a lot and it's it's that level of interaction that if it's to us like if it reaches a certain extent i would start investing even further in this stuff even though like i said it's still not monetized but it will be literally invested in value literally invested in sort of entertainment uh for me and for people um and we can customize this like a lot i've been looking at prospect guests and like i said in the beginning of this episode and uh yeah, I said that every episode, but I don't do it. But it's because I want this thing to be really well organized, you know. And I need people when they come here, they that you know, I need them to feel like they're they're being they they're taking part of a legit thing. So I need to do some work before that, before I can do that. Uh, but I'll eventually do it. Again, please just any sort of feedback, requests, anything that you want to see here, just send an email. I'll be glad. Uh, to communicate with you there uh, or on any other platform. Um, and on that note, uh, please have a good day, good week, and if I don't see you again, good quarter. And uh, see you again. This has been Shweep Flab reviewing life, the universe, and everything. Mosquitoes and shit. Episode. Uh, Four.